Hello and welcome to Inside Sports Dead in Goal podcast for another week, number 62. Uh, my name is James Smith and joining me is Jeff Centenera. How are you going, mate? I am well, James. How are you? Good. How, good. how are you after that, 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 what, that glut? Gluttony, a rugby league that you, you enjoyed over yeah. over the first finals weekend. I, I did overdose. Well, what you did was, was really quite amazing, which we'll, which we'll get around to. But you know, <laughs> you're not sick of the game already, are you? No, no, I'm not. Um, uh-huh. And I'll tell you why uh, in, in a sec. But yeah, just a, a tremendous first week of the finals, mm. and I think this weekend is going to really um, um, break it as well as far as. You know that that real sort of um, competitive edge coming out. Mm. I like I like watching these games of footy because these are all massive competitive animals just going at it, aren't they? One thing that the NRL and, and rugby league in general does really well, and this is a point that I think was uh, almost best made by the most celebrated writer of the BKG, Martin Flanagan, yeah. is that league does finals well. It yeah. does it does finals better than you know than than that, that other code that we, 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 we don't mention it, its name. It, it, yeah and all it always happens this time of year. Um, in what way was he well, as, as competitive type spectacles, you yeah. know, because just the nature the nature of the sport being more tightly contested, you know, it's you know the game's right. a bit more of an arm wrestle type game of course. So they, the the finals just the elimination games just seem to be, uh, or, or what I guess, not just elimination, but games of consequence seem to be more compelling. So, so do you have more blowouts in, in semi-finals? Uh, arguably, I'd say, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's not important to kind of go down that path, but, you know, <laughs> just, 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 just to pump rugby, rugby league's tires a bit and just say, finals time of year is always, yeah, it always just goes up a level. And uh, it, um, yeah, yeah. I thought it was a fantastic first weekend, yeah. No, oh, fantastic. Um, so on, on this show, uh, um, unfortunately, we, we didn't have a, um, a, a listener question because... Uh, yeah, that's why no, one, no one's going to be listening. <laughs> no. listening. But, but we've got a good it's, substitute. There, there's, not, yeah, there's, not gonna be, no, there's no me on this, uh, on this, on this pod. <laughs> that's what everyone in Twitter lands. There's no Karate Warrior. There's no Jay Dwight, no. Um, so we're going to preview our um, our October 2018 edition, which is which has just come out, and it's our grand final, our footy grand final special. So there's lots lots in that to have a look at, and um, a big thrill for me, uh, in particular. We're going to end with an interview I did about a week or two back with uh, Penrith legend Roy Simmons. So <laughs> that'll uh, fill up most of the uh, most of, of the edition, but. Um, yeah, well, first, first of all, we'll cover off what we normally do, most rugby league thing we did. Should I go first or yourself? I'll, I'll go because I think yeah. you got, what you've got to say is a lot longer. Um, I would say the most rugby league thing I did was I actually made time to sit on the couch and uh, so I can say with pride, you know, when, when the history is written, that I watched the first match of the NRLW. Yeah. I thought... Um, so you watched the 1908 first game I, of the NRLW? I watched NRL the 1908 first game. <laughs> no, I, I, I just want to be sure. That that Warriors-Roosters, that was that was game one, wasn't it? That was I'm game one. Okay. Game yeah. one of NRLW. They, yeah. Okay, fine. I just uh, wanted to be... Yeah, I was. I thought I thought I actually heard it. I just didn't want to... I, mean, I wasn't scooped on the, in that regard. And yeah, I thought, um, yeah, a very kind of auspicious beginning, uh, hopefully, yeah. for, for this comp. Um, really enjoyed you know I watched it probably yeah probably what more attentively even than I did kind of the the the, the women's kind of World Cup last year okay. I, I thought there was a you know a degree of um, yeah you know kind of with the with the World Cup, of course, you know naturally the disparities are involved. But yeah, that whereas you know kind of in this comp, it's, it's very it's, it's highly elite. I, I think in that regard. Yeah. But even in that, you know, the, the, my big takeaway from that very first game was that 
it, it kind of had a bit of a feel of league from maybe you know kind of a few de- a couple of decades ago. Yeah, like you know you had big forwards like running at much smaller kind of defenders in the line, and you you saw players kind of their fatigue seemed to be much more of a thing in the game. Okay, you know like let's face it, you know these these girls aren't full time. Oh, sorry, like these women aren't full you know aren't full time professionals yet. Yeah. And the game I guess is a bit shorter. I think it's kind of tuned very nicely to yep. kind of the you know kind of the you know kind of what the the attributes of the players, and yet you know you can see kind of in in, in the standout talents on the field, like just you know the quality they they bring, like you know, I thought yeah every time like Isabel Kelly would touch the ball, yeah like yeah um, yeah yeah kind of just you know really electric just you know her coming into the into the line so and then uh, another one had a really good good game I'm sorry I can't recall her first name but uh, Noah Sala the, oh, the big yeah. uh, the big yeah. warrior forward she just yeah yeah she was she was fearsome so. Yeah, it's um, yeah. Uh, probably we'll probably make a few more uh, appointments to to you know take in more of that uh, more of those games. Oh, yeah, so it was ge- genuinely great watching. Yeah, the thing that gets me every time, um, every single time I watch a women's um, elite level rugby league game, uh, is a tackling technique, mm. and not only just the, the tackling technique to stop people, but the but the technique. In, in, in trying to hurt people around the midriff. I love that. They do it so well. Uh, you know, like whereas a bloke will lead with his shoulder and try and knock someone to the ground, there's a real urgency and, and, and you know, a tendency to make sure that they're grappled properly around you know, around that torso and the waist area and they're thrown to the ground a lot. Yeah. I, I don't know why. I don't know why um, it comes out better in, in the women's game than the men's, but center they carry off... Centre center of gravity issues? Maybe, yeah. 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 But they're able to throw each other around. I, I love it. It's, it's, it's so cool. Yeah, the other kind of takeaway from that well, yep. uh, as well is variance in the kicking game and the quality of the kicking game yep. is a huge edge in, in, in the women's in the women's game whereas you know in in the NRL in the regular NRL pretty much every team kicks about as well as each other you yeah, know what okay. I mean in terms yeah. of execution it's just really about it's more of you know you're making the you know Cooper Cronk makes this decision better than that guy, and that's yeah. the difference. It's it's such a small, it's a per, it's a percentage point difference. Oh, so you're saying that the technique in kicking is well in yeah in in the women's game. If you have a really good kicker, whether that be in in general play or at goal, that is yeah. a massive advantage. Yeah, okay. Like you know, kind of a real uh, a real difference um, difference maker in the way that I, probably not as not not so much in uh, on the men's side. Oh right. Um, yeah. uh, were there any forty tw- thirties um, kicked uh, in that game? No, I okay. think there was an attempt at one. Oh yeah, that, that, that's um, going to be a great rule, isn't it? As it we is. Discussed last it week. is. It is again another kind of yeah, finally a well well tuned rule for yeah, yeah for the conditions. Ah, excellent. Um, yes. Now, now tell us this story. You, you got to yeah, tell <laughs> the. Yeah. Well, we. The funny thing is, just uh, take one step back. Yeah. Uh, earlier this year, for our rugby league preview, I had James write a story, uh, kind of like a, a fantasy story about um, the <laughs> ultimate rugby league road trip. Little did I know he was actually going to try and do it in week one of the finals. So uh, that sets the stage for you. Across the season, yeah, um, the prof and I, we've we've had two of these big weekends where everything happened at once. So we've just been sitting at home discussing it. Oh, we might as well do that. Oh, if we're going to do that, then we might as well do this. We had one where we um, travelled from Sydney to Wollongong, across the Campbelltown, all in one weekend, and we, you know, had a great weekend away. This uh, one, um, yeah, we just decided to go the whole hog and attend all four 
um, <laughs> week one semi-finals, which were in um, three different states, four stadiums, and uh, it, it, was, it was so much fun. Um, and this is why James doesn't want expansion to Perth <laughs> to happen too soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. I won't get any sleep, but it was awesome. I um, uh, left work early uh, on Friday to shoot down to Melbourne, then flew back. The reason not, as to why I was asking you how that women's game was, was we missed it. Mm. Got there just in time at ANZ for the Penrith Warriors game and then shot across and watched the second half of the uh, of the Roosters-Cronulla uh, game and then it was up to Brisbane the next day. Uh, yeah, it was, it was epic. It was, mm. um, my big take from it, though, you know, big deal. He, he went to all the games, blah, blah, blah. I really got a sense of the different cultures that are in rugby league yeah. uh, across the league. I, I thought Melbourne's... Melbourne really does have... And I didn't realise this before, but Melbourne has quite does have quite an AFL element to its following down there. They're extremely passionate and loyal. They hate Sydney teams. That some that <laughs> pretty much every other team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, just the, the vitriol directed by the Storm fans at that South fans. That was that was great, and that's a real AFL thing that happens. And then you had the. I loved the fact that Penrith, Penrith um, filled 12 supporter buses to go from, from the foot of the mountains to uh, Homebush on, uh, on Saturday afternoon at night. And I loved that. Well, that, that really kills Uber in that area. <laughs> yeah, it was, Uber was filthy. Good point. Um, and just the sea of black that was created, the flags up, stand up thing. That was that was awesome. And they had two really hugely populated bays of Warriors fans. So that was another element to it. And then, of course, um, Cronulla fans like they turned they, the, over the last couple of years at semi-finals. They've really started to turn out in big numbers, Sharks fans. So those challenges that you've been issuing to yeah, Sharks fans over time, yeah. <laughs> your next project will be Manly fans, I guess, yeah. Yeah. when they make the finals. What about yeah. Beattie? Did you see Beattie uh, was chastising New South Wales fans oh, in the lead-up? Because you know, like, that's what we want to hear, a Queensland Premier telling us you know, how, how, how bad we are. It's supposed to be working. <laughs> it's it's going to get us to the Saturday night game. I remember when uh, Willie Mason, when um, back in 2008, when uh, centenary test ticket sales weren't going very well at the SCG, he said, come on, Sydney fans, what are you? Like, this is the home of rugby league, isn't it? And there ended up being nearly 40,000 people there. So. I thought you were going to say Willie kind of, you know, started wandering around Martin Place handing out tickets, <laughs> free tickets. That would have been cool. <laughs> yeah, wearing a barrel or something, wearing, or wearing a sandwich board. <laughs> Poor Willie. Um, that really would have worked. Would See, this is this is why we need to be Damn at HQ. We've got to be using our only when you somebody on the rugby league. Community. Yeah, funny. funny. And, and then and then up to Brisbane, and that's just the epicenter of rugby league in the modern world. Oh, just a there was uh, there was so much energy in that building. Mm. I was completely shocked at what happened on the field. Yeah, I thought this. That's it. Actually, made a bit galling how the kind of performance the Broncos put in. We, we were texting back and forth during that half. Yeah, we? unbelievable. Yeah. Sam Thayer's last game, or you know, potentially, yeah. if if we lose, he's gone. No more. And they just got blown off the paddock, didn't they? Mm, they really did. Unbelievable. So they, it was it was a really good helicopter view of uh, rugby league in 2018. Just a different cultures and that that that's um the idea that i get into my head when I, whenever somebody mentions culture in footy no. it's it's the fan culture mm-hmm. not not necessarily the team culture but um anyway just one way of looking at it yeah um cool and so what are you most looking forward to in week two you, you first um um probably uh, you know uh, it is within my fiber to say um, penrith and cronulla but 
the crowd, immediately when the Dragons were um, starting to flog the Broncos, my attention just turned to this Saturday night. Mm. I reckon, yeah, and, and what sort of turnout uh, the NRL is going to get. I, I really, in, I'm really confident that a 60,000 plus crowd can, can rock up. Yeah. I think there are enough fa- um, South Sydney fans for sure and, and Dragons fans in Sydney for that to easily happen. It's just a matter of people doing it. I would have hoped that, you know, when they had that, you know, the, you know, the, the, the great breakthrough premiership and the resurgence kind yeah. of, 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 the, the, of the bunnies and that, you know, kind of in, in the wake of that, that Souths could be that engine that yeah. could pull crowds like that. That to, could be the Collingwood of rugby Exactly, yeah. to, to matches like this. And so yeah. realistically, I mean, yeah, you often say that you know that you know there are some sneaky dragons fans, that sneaky large numbers of dragons fans out there, and that's probably very true. Yep. But um, yeah, I, I would think that just on the strength of themselves, the bunnies could fill a lot oh, of the building that night. Definitely. Um, yeah. yeah uh, it's Saturday night. There's yeah, no other thing on. It's Saturday night. They've got a good side. This is probably. Well, no, because they, they could, because yeah, if, they, if they advance, they'll go to advance, probably play the Roosters, right? So yeah. there'll, there'll be another match here in Sydney where they can make the grand. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, no, it, uh, I, I would have thought that, yeah. Um, Is that being... E- they could even pull a bunch of ironic fans because we, we know that we, they have those now, right? So <laughs> Lots of South, random South random guys. Random South guys. But yeah, <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I, yeah, and like this is as about as old school, old firm a rivalry as, the, you know, as the game gets. You know, yeah. Rabbitohs, Dragons. Sorry. So... I agree. Like it should be. There's, uh, yeah, it, sh- it really should be a, b- a big crowd. Sixty thousand. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, normally norm- normally I'd go I'd take the low end on, on every yeah. Sydney crowd, but um, yeah, no, I, I actually think there's a case to be made for this one. <laughs> I was completely shamed, um, and this is leading into 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 your uh, most looking forward to. But I, I started beating my chest on Twitter in the lead up to the Warriors Penrith game, and uh, you know, started saying back in in two thousand and three we got forty three thousand to this game, and and uh, yeah, that was just uh, and it got me excited for mm. a really big crowd, and yeah. so to, to only get seventeen was a little bit disappointed, a little bit disappointing, but uh, you know, different circumstances I suppose back then. Yeah. We'll see how we go. And uh, it's going to be a very hot day Saturday, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. Oh, like right. Thirty degrees. Ah, uh, finals. <laughs> That's a cold cliche, isn't it? Starting to warm up. Get blah, out blah, blah. there. Drink beer. <laughs> yeah. Watch football. Drink. What could be wrong? Drink more beer. Yeah. yeah. Bring Look an ice. It. Bring an ice vest. <laughs> <laughs> a beanie filled with. Um, ice cold water. There you go. So, what about yourself? What are you most looking forward I to? I read a story this morning that you know, as being a, a, an inveterate lover of novelty, <laughs> this is something I really want to happen. Yeah. And um, also, wanted to happen for a dude who's been really good for for the mag, as we'll kind of explain down the line. But um, this this thing where James Maloney, who truly has probably had one of the more fascinating careers of of the contemporary rugby league player. But this idea that he could potentially end up playing each of his four sides if you know Penrith goes the distance in each, you know in in the finals. That's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. Yeah, but he, he you know he has um, yeah. you know they had the Warriors last week, of course. They got the Sharks this uh, this weekend, which yeah. is being hyped as you know a kind of grudge match between he and. Um, and Matt Moylan, but then uh, they've got they um, they get Melbourne, don't they? In, in the in the crossover. Ah, uh, yes. So, I think they do. Yeah. So again, that's another of his sides, and then potentially, you know, if if it's the Roosters in the final, like yeah. there, that's that's four sides, and then we will have the Maloney Slam. 
Yeah. And, you know, funnily enough, if they do, you know, I mean, plainly, I know you're cheering for it, but if, you know, yeah. if the Panthers were to win it, it'd be amazing. He, he really becomes the premiership totem of this age. Yeah. That'll be, what, three premierships of three different clubs, Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, that's, will. That's amazing. It is. That's amazing, you know. It's, um, there hasn't been a play like that since Glenn Lazarus, has there? And that, they're not really comparable. No, they're not You know, really. I mean, no. Glenn was a guy that I think every team would have would have wanted. Yeah. They would have shelled out for. Yeah. Even even kind of into his older age and you know, heading down to the storm. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jeez, Maloney that? seems to be a guy who, you know, plays so well. And we know his quality. He, he's piloted New South Wales yeah. to origin victories. It seems to be the hardest thing you could do in, uh, in, in rugby league. And yet, how can a guy like that have ended up playing for, it'll be five sides. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get kind of, you know, you know yeah. it's... it's uh, and you know, I don't know whether it's an interpersonal thing or anything. It seems like a, you know, seems like it seems like a prince of a guy. You know? yeah, yeah. It's, I don't know. He's just one of those guys who he doesn't have. There's no aura that comes off him. No. You know what I mean? It's not like you look at him and you, you know you kind of like hold him in the esteem that you'd hold a J. And, and plainly, he's not the same type of player. I'm not arguing that you know no, no, he's comparable no. to JT or yeah. or um, uh, you know, pick another elite uh, elite half, but. The guy wins. That's pretty he obvious. Wins, yeah. he's, everywhere he's gone, he's won. And let's face it, those four sides that he's previously played for are still up the top. So, mm. and I'm not saying it's all, he's, <laughs> all he's doing, but he's obviously... He left and they stayed up the top. <laughs> no, but you, <laughs> you just twisted it around exactly where I didn't want to go. Exactly. Um, yeah, so he's obviously left it. He, he, he's left them in a, in a good spot and have mm. been able to... Uh, one thing he does do apparently really well, apart from his smart Alex stuff, is he teaches young kids the, the art, you know, of, of footy yeah. really well, and and what you said just just then was really interesting. Um, yeah, he he's, he's doesn't come across as that sort of elite personality, but no. he he just as um, I often joke about Des Hasler being the right sort of person for footy, right sort of coach yeah. for footy players. To talk to footy players. Yeah, he would be. Wayne Bender's the same. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. He would be he would be the footy player version of that. Yeah. If you're a footy player, it would be so cool to play with him. It really he's would. He's a lad, isn't he? He's yeah, a, it yeah. would be. It would be. And yeah. it, you sometimes get that dynamic too when you're playing with a really great player. Yeah. You, you, you seize up a bit because you know you don't want to, you know, you don't you, you don't embarrass yourself basically next yeah. to the great player. I and don't think there would be a problem like that with around. around he probably he'd probably get upset if you didn't try anything. Hey, like mm -hmm. be, yeah, be awesome. Um, we got that big truck one in the background. <laughs> yeah. Something goes boom next. We'll, no. we'll edit that out. No worries. <laughs> um, so we've got a new mag out, mate. Well done once again yes. on uh, designing yes. a terrific uh, edition. It's um, our grand final, our footy grand final edition. Um, and it's <laughs> come our final edition. And <laughs> 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 no more after this. Our final grand edition. Um, and you've you've done well. You've put uh, Trent Cotton and, 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 and you too, and, and you too, sir. And you, me too. you actually, you know, you know, you actually put these magazines together you know, too. You know, it's not just you know, you make it sound like I'm doing this single handedly. Yeah, well done. Well done. <laughs> We've got a, a piece from Cyril Rioli, the Hawthorne player, who. Um, relives the 2015 grand final and that's just a continuation of his family's success mm. in grand finals hey it's, like, it's pretty amazing like that's an amazing it's an amazing family for the, the you know follow the card um yeah. yeah but yeah three 
It would be like having three Churchills in the one family. <laughs> is he that good? Or was he that good? Or is he that good? Cyril? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The whole family is amazing, though. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's kind of the point. They all kind of are amazing in the same way. Unbelievable. Yeah. 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 And then we've got this corker of a um, feature story from uh, one of our, nor- our ab- normal... Normal. Uh, I always say normal to the regular, don't I? <laughs> Abnormal. <laughs> um, Paranormal. Uh, Matthew Cleary, yes. Matt Cleary, no relation to Nathan or Ivan, mm. um, has written a, a feature story questioning why it's so hard for um, footy teams of, of any code to win back-to-back premierships. Um, not too sure whether we answer too many questions that we have, but no, we, we just we just throw questions at people. <laughs> it's a, yeah. it's a good if, you, if you have the answer, tell us. You know, yeah. You know, <laughs> Um, all right, so we're going to um, end our gibberish part of the podcast with touching on another um, uh, subject in this current magazine, and that's Roy Simmons. Um, we were discussing who would be a good subject for the, uh, in hindsight. Yes, we were, interview. and then James just said, no, no, I'm just going to do this, all right? <laughs> <laughs> can, can I just pursue this story, Jeff? Like, this, this is the story I want to do. I mean, you know, I don't know if anybody else is interested in it, but I am, so can I just, can I just do this and, you know... <laughs> Bugger the readers. Yeah, see you later. <laughs> to which I said, well, you know, I, I did kind of I did, I did kind of give you the opening. I said, James, could we find someone who's kind of like grand final relevant? And then your eyes just lit up, <laughs> you know. It's like, you know, your eyes lit up basically like like pokey, you know, po- like a pokey machine. Ding. It was like, all right, I know exactly who I want. And so, I, yes. yes. Who better than Royce? Who better than Royce? Um, Royce scored a grand total of... Love this. Um, yep. He scored a grand total of 13 tries heading into the... 1991 in New South Wales Rugby League Grand Final and you all know how he scored two on Grand Final Day and left uh, the game a hero and he just he he is Mr. Grand Final fairy tale ending Mm -hmm. yeah and that's that's why I offered him up Mm -hmm. and um, and after I did I thought okay I'm going to have to act on this so I went went in the whole hog and um, called him up um, went out to Penrith out to the academy and interviewed him and you know what I found and, and what you'll probably find in this uh, interview that's going to follow is he's quite a deep personality yeah. I, did, I just thought that without knowing him I just thought for years he was the Penrith Panthers beery sort of mascot mm. sort of person you know oh, he's Royce hey Royce we remember you blah 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 but he's was quite... it because of the thing that he said uh, uh, yeah, yeah, but I've heard after the grand final. Yeah, yeah, but being a Penrith person, yeah, you, you know about this. He's sort of larrick and self-deprecating sort yeah. of sense of humour he's got. But you'll hear in this chat that we had, he's quite deep, and he's especially he gets especially deep about the 1990 loss, yeah. and it really damaged him at the time. I, I never knew that. I just thought back then because all these Penrith players were robust and tough. They just got up, dusted themselves off, and, and kept going on with it. But no, I knocked him around a bit. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, with him not knowing what was to come. But, I, um, yeah. I guess it's always the way, isn't it? You know, when, when you kind of <clears throat> get the benefit of hindsight, you just say to yourself, "Oh, well, yeah." They kind of use that as motivation for the next year. But I guess yeah. in in uh, you know in real time, you're probably thinking, "Geez, this might be the only one I ever get a chance to play." Absolutely. So, you know, I mean. Yeah. And then I think for a lot of, for a certain type of sporting personality, and I, I'd say there's quite a lot of them, uh, losing sticks with you more than, than, than winning. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. yeah. I, mean, the, I, I had kind of a similar experience interviewing a, a fellow from, uh, from that, that other code <laughs> who won multiple premierships. And uh, yeah, the one that he said, he, you know, we we're talking about his, his perfectionism and the, the, he said that his, his, he played in five grand, yeah, five grand finals and the one that stuck with him was the one that lost. Oh, unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. 
Maybe it isn't. Maybe athletes are like that. Yeah. Maybe that's just their makeup. Yeah. 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 And uh, excellent, mate. Well, is there anything else you want to cover off before I? Uh, no. Let's let's yeah. uh, move them uh, move this along to uh, to Royce. Yeah. Thanks very much for listening, everyone, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Royce Simmons, thanks very much for joining us today. Oh, great. Great for you to come out and uh, uh, go over a few old footy things. Oh, sure you will. Sure you will. Um, what are you up to these days? Um, I work for Panthers in the commercial area. Uh, I run, I suppose the best way to describe it, being a networking club. I've got 60 businesses in Penrith and uh, um, that I look after. And obviously we watch the Penrith home games. We've got our own facility to, to watch watch the games in and um, and then during the year we have uh, we have about we have a, a lot more other events but the the members get to choose six of them yeah. um, and you know they range from you know um, just like maybe going to Queenstown for an adventure weekend or or going to uh, a Cox Plate to watch Winks run um, mm. you know um, uh, maybe you know, Australian tennis open, all them sort of things. And it comes down a bit of a level too. We might go to just uh, for a weekend into Sydney to Randwick races or and stay overnight and various other functions. And and then it also, um, we do some events with uh, the players as well. We might have a game of golf, game of lawn bowls with the players. We'll have dinner with the coaching staff and, you know, go over the videos and everything they're going to... Oh, right. ...way they're going to play on the weekend and, and you know, and go through with the, um, you know, the, the fitness team and go over what the players can do and can't do and what they eat and what they don't eat and yeah. just gives the, the, the people that um, don't know too much about the professional rugby league, how, it's, how professional it is run. Yeah. And and as I said earlier on, we go on a lot of other good events. You know, we'll we'll go up to Darwin maybe and go go in and we'll do some fishing and then come back and do a, a race day. And so we we do a lot of them sort of events. And and what we find is that people get to know each other. They become good friends and they do a lot of business with each other. So that's right. what we set out to do. It's a great role for you, isn't it? Because you're you know you, you come across as a real sociable. Um, person who is is the heart heart and soul and, and a part of the spirit of the Panthers. Yeah, it's probably you know it suits me right down to the ground. You know, <laughs> yeah. I just um, you know I get to deal with a lot of good people and yeah, you know, a lot of good people around Penrith, so I get to mix with them. So it's uh, it's uh, it's a bit damaging sometimes. You have a few late nights, but uh, <laughs> overall, it's uh, you know it's a, it's a real good, really enjoy it. Oh, great, great answer. Thanks for the description. Um, and so, so where did how, how did rugby league start for you? Like, um, uh, you know, where were you born, and and, and like, what, what was your first footy team, and um, how did all that come about? Well, my first um, footy team was actually rugby union. What? <laughs> I um, I, uh, I lived in a little place called Canoundra, um, which was out in Group Eleven. Um, as far as rugby league goes. Yeah. And in the town at that stage, they had a first-grade rugby league side, a second-grade rugby league side, and an under-18s rugby league side, but they had no junior league. Ah. 
So, junior, uh, so but they did have uh, junior rugby union, but no senior side. Oh, so right. It was quite strange, actually. So, I started to play football um, uh, at Canoundra and yeah. rugby union, and uh, uh, played right through there till I was uh, sixteen. Uh, um, but in the middle of all that, my dad was a butcher, and he. Um, he bought a butcher shop, a little town called Goolagong, which was only about 20 minutes away, but 20 minutes to half an hour away, so we moved out there. And um, I finished my primary school out there, then ended up going to high school at Cowra. Uh-huh. And that's where I really got... Uh, we did play um, at Goolagong in the... I think I was fullback because the school was that small. There's only about 30 kids in the whole school. I was playing fullback for the open side when I was in second class, <laughs> and we and we we used to play Yagara and uh, Grenfell, little other towns around, one home, one away. So we only played four games a year. Oh yeah. So uh, and and then the play, the really get to play rugby league. I moved to, I didn't move. I went to Cara to go to high school. We had to travel up every every um, every day in a bus, obviously, wow. and uh, about now was drive, time is stopped and picked up kids. Yeah. Uh, and I got my first taste of rugby league up there really in a, um, in a very good uh, rugby league side that you know, played, well, we played together for about four years and I think we only got beaten once or twice so oh. it, was a, it was a pretty good uh, side and we, I really enjoyed that but I continued to play my rugby union at Canoundra yeah. and if I could because I started to play with them first and I, you know, I'm pretty big on that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I started to play there first, and on a good day, then I'd try to get someone to pick me up and slip me across the car and play rugby league after it if I could. I'd try to get two games in on the one day if I could, but couldn't do that every week. But uh, there was a few weeks where I, I did get a couple of games in, one a rugby in in the morning, one a rugby league a little bit later in the day. God, is that because you loved it so much? You love that sort of... Yeah, um, yeah, well, you know, I think when you're that age, you know, you you don't train that hard or anything and yeah. I think the more footy you play the better. Yeah, you know, yeah. I just think the more you play the more you learn and uh, so yeah, I'd get a get a couple of games in and um, so yeah, it was was good. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, great stuff. So you did debuted in round seven of nineteen eighty in first grade, um, against Souths, mm-hmm. um, according to the records. Um it must have been an absolute thrill for you to 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 make first grade. Like, was that obviously the the, the long term goal when you were a kid, or did you, or were you just seeing where this whole oh, thing ended up? No, yeah, no. From a real young young age, I was just had this. You know, I'd run around pretending I was someone, pretending I was Graham Langlands, or yeah. I followed St George and yeah. Billy Smith and Barry Beef come from the little town. Goolagong, where I lived, Barry Beef was, uh, he played for St George for years, he he played when they had some of their real good sides, and just across the way at Yagara, Ian Walsh used to play, so so I had, um, Jesus, I, had Saint, I had St George uh, sort of imprinted into my head, so I actually, I come down and trial for St George, yeah. in must have been, I think about 78, and I um, didn't didn't make it, so 
then I come down again and trial with South Sydney in 79 and you know I was behind a fair few good hookers and I think my first trial was about a fifth grade game because so I wasn't you know I didn't I wasn't really that sure I didn't think I'd make it there I was pretty sure I would make it at Souths and um, and then Barry Rushworth um, former kangaroo 63 kangaroo he he used to play footy against me out at Cara when I played for Cara first grade I was playing in first grade in the bush when I was 17 with, with the men and that so Barry at the time was um, he was out there and he was about 40 I think oh. but he was still captain coach of Lithgow and um, he was talking to then the current Penrith coach uh, uh, Lenny Stacker and Len just said, do many good players out in group group 10? And he, he said, yeah, there's Kitty Cara that can play. Um, then Lenny contacted home and found out that I was in at South's trial. And so he came out and watched me play in that fifth grade game on on, um, on a day at, uh, was it, at, at Redfern. And um, after the game, he walked around to see me. He said, would you like to have a trial with Penrith next week? And I said, oh, you've got, a, you've got a game on tomorrow, haven't you? And he said, yeah. I said, well, I'll trial tomorrow. And he, he said, oh, you know, he said, have a week off. I said, oh, no, I'll be out there tomorrow. So I come out the next day and I ended up, I had a trial and I trialled, uh, I played a full game of reserve grade. And then at the end of the reserve grade game, I went on for the last, say, 15 minutes of first grade against uh, the Bulldogs. Who, who George Paponis was a current hooker then, who I think was a current Australian hooker. So, so after the end of the game, um, Lenny said, I want you to stay at the club. Um, how much money do you want? And I said, oh, whatever you can get on, you know, I just clean the play sort of thing. And I think we, I think we come to a decision, $4,000, I think it was. Okay. Anyway, Len went back to the, the board at the time and and well uh, um, and they said the club won't give them any more money because they they've reached their budget so it looked like I was going home again wow. <laughs> so I'd already gone home from Saints and I'd gone from South and looked like I was leaving from Penrith but uh, yeah. I think Lenny drove them nuts over the next uh, two weeks and ended up agreeing to give me $4,000 to, um, you know, there's $4,000 and it was a bit different then, find your own house, find your own job. <laughs> yeah. and I did all that in the first couple of days and um, and I had, uh, I, I had $42 worth of two bobs left, I think, which is the year when I sort of got to Penrith <laughs> I counted, I had no no notes left. I went through like $42 worth of two bucks, <laughs> took them to the bank and cashed them in. And, God. And uh, so, and then away we went. God. Had, like, had you thought of Penrith as an option, as a possibility before that all happened? Or Oh, look, I, I knew little of Penrith. Okay. At the time, because, you know, as I said, I'd followed St. George. You, you knew they played Souths and... Yeah. You know, some of the other big sides around at the time and you didn't even know too much about Penrith, but 
when I come out here and I had a trial and then, as I said, um, mm. then decided to stay here, uh, it suited me because, you know, at the time Penrith was firstly a big town and it was quiet, yeah. quieter than it is now. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so a boy from Goolagong, a little town of 150 people, it probably suited me better to be, to be here and I got a job out at Penrith Golf Club. I was a greenkeeper by trade, so I ended up out of Penrith Golf Club. Yeah. So it, uh, quickly I got to know a lot of Penrith people because you're out on the golf course and, yeah. you know, and that sort of stuff. So it, yeah, it suited me probably to, to, um, to be at Penrith. No, that's all good, all good. And, um, so you've all, all, always been known for your, for your sense of humour and, and your, your, um, outlook on life. It, as, as far as you're concerned, is that a, a rugby league thing or is that a working class country trait that you've picked oh, up? Oh, my dad was a, always a pretty funny man. <laughs> um, so I suppose got a fair bit off him or most of it off him. And, um, yeah. and it's, you know, just sort of a, they're two separate things. My football is separate to me social time when I go to football I'm a very serious person you know when it's football I uh, you know uh, I, I think every week for a player like me you you know uh, who's not as flashy as you know other you know when you get to play rep football you get to play with these blokes that are that talented and that good and all that mm. and um me, I had to be ready to play each week. I had to be able to play somewhere near be best every week, you know. Um, and I'd like to keep that standard, you know. And uh, I, I couldn't afford to drop too much, so I had to get. I had to, you know, I trained really hard. I trained probably more than nearly any other player that I played with at Penrith over the time. I'm, as I mean, I trained on my own. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't tell people too much, but used to do a hell of a lot of of my own training, probably overtrained if I look back at it. And what you do now, probably train too many days, train on the wrong day sometimes, but yeah. if you know what you know now, but back then <laughs> you didn't know that sort of stuff. So yeah, and you know, and, and the morning of the game, I didn't like anyone being near me too much. I had to get on my own and sort of prepare for the game, and mentally get right. So I was, so, if you play like that and train like that and all that, when you're away from it, you need to relax a bit and have a bit of humour and a bit of fun. So you sort of separate the two of them, you know. And, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I'm not the... When I'm playing footy, I'm not the sort of comedian. I'm not like Brett Kenny in the middle of a test game or anything he'll have a joke with you, you know. Or, <laughs> or it, it, it'd be funny if Brett will jog past you and you... So I tell you half a joke on the way past in the middle of a test match. So I'm, what are you doing? You would get away from me, you know? Or start giving your hair cut as you're laying on the table, um, you're laying on the table getting a massage before a game. And I like to go into my own space, sort of, you know, go in there. Next thing I hear, a scissors giving me a haircut, cleaning me up a bit. You know, it's get away. You know, he was, he's, he, he could have a joke because he was that talented. He could have a joke in the middle of a test game. Very good. Didn't sort of suit me. No, no, no. Everyone's different, aren't they? 
Um, and so you captained the Panthers from 83 to 90. Uh, what, what was your what was your captaincy style? Was it all about mateship or did you throw any odd spray here and there for your teammates? Or? Um, it was mostly, the captaincy was, yeah, a lot of mateship, yeah. especially when we're away from the game. Uh, like when people first moved down from the country or other city sides, you know, I'd always have them around home to, you know, have a barbecue to get to meet the rest of the blokes or bring, bring them, their wives around to get to know my wife so they know they've got someone to talk to. So things like that just help bringing them into the, to the, um, into the, into the club. So, um, uh, yeah, and, you know, what, what, yeah, away from footy, I'd, I'd sort of deal with all that and, and, you know, and, um, you know, we might, in the off-season, jump on a bus and take all the boys down to watch some races or something one day or, you know, often we, often, um, you know, so I was big on trying to get all that mateship. Yeah. But then when you, again, when you go to the footy, yeah, again, it's a bit different. You've got to, um, you know, blokes are... You know, I'll, yeah, I'll give a few blokes a spray <laughs> when I was uh, captain of the side or something and they, you know, not putting in the effort at training that, that everyone else was or whatever, you know, you, you had to get your standards up then or, you know, and we had a bit of a tradition here at Pender. If you got injured, you didn't lay down too much. You had to get up and get in the line and okay. I'll give a few blokes a spray for not getting up and getting in the line. Oh, yeah. Uh, over my time, and I remember one day I got winded and I couldn't get up. The whole side give me a hammering. Hey. <laughs> it was all payback. <laughs> yeah, so I think again, it's a bit like you know, uh, the captaincy was a fair bit of you know. I think a lot of it was making sure the club was three grades. Back then, it's quite different now. You got your full time, but mm. making sure everyone you know got together and got to know each other and mix with each other, and the first graders weren't too you know, too big for the other things. I think that was important to have the whole club because we all used to train together, you know, right. and that was in the early years. So I think that was really important for the club to be good and strong and enjoying yourself. But you, again, you've got to realise when it's, uh, when training starts uh, until it finishes, you know, it's 100 mile an hour and on game day, the, the same thing, you know, you've got to, got to be ready to play and, you, and you've got to done your, you know, it's no good... Uh, walking down the, the tunnel, when you walk down the tunnel about in the field, you've got to be saying to yourself, well, you know, I've, I've ate right all, all week, I've, I've trained really good, I've done some extra stuff on my own, I'm ready to play. And if you go out in the field like that, you'll, you'll give your, your team a good performance, you know. But if you're walking down the tunnel saying, well, you know, I missed training and I didn't eat so well this week, and mm. you're going to play accordingly, you know, most of the time. So... I just think it's, you know, preparations was a big part of the game, but the enjoyment factor, especially back then, had to be a big part of the game as well because, as you know, everyone was working and you mostly played football for a bit of fun, so you had to get that, that balance pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and as for the, the fun times and the hard times, how, how, did, you, how did you handle the 1990 loss? In the grand final, did did you 
Do you feel this sense of, oh no, we finally got there mm. and then we've, we've fallen at the last hurdle? Because I, I lived at Penrith at the time mm. and you could feel a whole, I don't know, it was a strange feeling around the district, wasn't it? We got there and not quite. Yeah, it was, um, I, I think you, you deal with your, your whole career a bit the same way. I remember, um, I remember in the early, early days we played at Penrith, we didn't win too many games, you know, and, and to be fair, we generally tried pretty hard each week, but we had to rely probably on another side not being <laughs> prepared to play too well to win some games because we, you know, we, we weren't spending the money that other clubs were spending and, um, you know, and, and we had some all players, some, some big tough hard blokes that play hard, but we probably lacked some genuine class and some, and, and speed. Yeah. Then in particular speed, we, we lacked a fair bit of. So, you know, back when you're getting beaten each week, you, you got to learn to, you, you know, you knew you weren't going to make the semis, like after a few games probably in the new. So I just took it on that I thought, well, I want to be, you generally had the players player every, every, every week. Yeah. So that's something I used to just try to aim to, to, um, to win every week, you know, and, you know, I think one particular year I won about 17 of them. So, yeah, so, and it started off this, um, um, Brand new flash ball signed by everyone. I think <laughs> when we got to the last game or two, it was an old white ball made in India signed by about three blokes. <laughs> <laughs> so it sort of fell away. But, uh, but right through all the thing, I used to really, I mean, that was one particular year. I didn't win that many, but <laughs> every year I thought, well, you know, I want to be the player's player at the end of the year. I want to be the, so you give yourself something, you know, to, to aim at, to play for. Because, yep. you know, we've maybe half the season gone, you knew you were going to run the, the bottom yeah. two or three. Yeah. That's just how it was, you know, didn't have a, so you had to give yourself something to turn up for to something to play. So I set me some little, self little targets throughout the year to get and one of them every year was to try to win that player's player at the end of the year. Yeah. So, um, so I did that right through and then we got to the, uh, well, when we got to the, at 84, we started the, compete for semi-final and the rest of right through to the end of 91 was all we're always playing for some sort of an opportunity you know yeah so I thought when we played in 1990 and we went right through and we you know we we thought we were a good chance of obviously winning the grand final then to get beaten in, in a game so close and you know and so tight and everything you know um I thought I'd be sort of prepared through um, all them other things I've gone through over the years. No, I wasn't. No, it just <laughs> it knocked the socks off me. Like, yeah, I was destroyed after I... Uh, oh. I mean, obviously, everyone was. Everyone was and everyone, you know, but it was... Uh, it was... Um, yeah, I remember just sort of sitting out in the field and everything was sort of numb and, yeah. you know... and. Uh, you know, I'm talking to a few of the other boys, and yeah, it was, it was, uh, and you look up and you see the other blokes putting the, you know, the cup above their head and they're doing the victory lap, and you got to sit there and watch it all because it's a part of, you know, learning. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, it was, um, yeah, it was a pretty tough um, 
few hours and a few days and well, 12 months really until yeah, <laughs> yeah. we, we got an opportunity to uh, reverse the roles, yeah. Was it much different as to what you did the following year when when you when the club finally won? Did you change all that much or was it just that you were a really good team and you... you oh, I think, yeah. I think, um, you know, I think there was quite a few things happened next year. I mean, everyone was, I think... It's only a slight difference, but, you know, you get there and sometimes, well, you've made the grand final, so you might take, you might relax just that little bit and that's all you need to get beaten. And the other side, they've been there, they've won them, they know what to expect from it and you, you, there's that little learning curve, not much, but there's a little one and I think in in 1990, Ricky Stewart had the, the ball on a, string you know every time he kicked it it had bounced to the sideline it had bounced here it had bounced there and this kicking game of this king and then the following year Greg Alexander had the ball on the string <laughs> and he kicked it and it went everywhere we wanted to go and he kept getting repeat sets you know and I know people say to me oh you know you're unlucky not to win the uh, the Clive Churchill medal you know I get that said to me all the time right. but I mean Bradley Clyde Played great in the beaten side, but if you ask me, who should have won the won it? it was Greg Alexander. Greg was fantastic that day, and he steered us all around. He kept getting repeat sets, and he he um, kept barking orders at us to you know stay patient, stay patient, keep grinding, and all that sort of stuff. I thought he was outstanding that day, um, and uh, you know I th- think you know and the two and there's a lot of differences in games, but certainly. You know the roles that then one like that. You know everything right one year and the next year, Greg sort of had it all right between the two halves. You know, and uh, yep. they, I'm not saying they had a total thing, but they had a fair bit to do with um, the role that year. Yeah. Nah, great. And and your two tries that you scored in the grand final, you barreled over Glenn Lazarus to score one, and then you steamed on the. MG's pass, those sort of, were you just there and an instinct just kicked in that you had um, to do what you had to do? Yeah, it was an instinct, but um, when they went for the short grubber, because they had to, because they needed the ball, they needed to get the ball back to, um, you know, to give themselves an opportunity. And uh, when they went for the short grubber, I could see MG over there and I could see about five of their blokes and they yeah. were and and Scotty Gale was aimed at getting that ball right on the ten round the ten metre zone. Yep. And so I could see four or five of them charging on the ball and I could see MG charging from the other way. So the only reason the instinct to me was get over there and make a tackle. Okay. Alright. So I'm thinking that you know, it's sort of four or five to one. So the likelihood of them getting the ball, and I, because MG's running quick and he's going to keep going, and I've got to make a tackle and I've got to make a good tackle yeah. because you don't want them offloading the ball or anything. So I was going there to make a tackle and yeah. a big tackle. I wasn't going there to score a trial. You know? No. <laughs> it's, it's easy for us to get mm. romantic about it still yeah. because yeah. Um, of how glorious the moment was. But mm. do you remember, like, slamming the ball down on the ground still? Do you remember 
everything about it. Yeah, I remember because I see the, you know, every now and then you'll be somewhere at a function or, you know, maybe in a pub or you may be in a club somewhere or, and then you see it come up on the, the video, you know. Yeah. That's, that's why I remember it so clearly. And, and, and probably the, the first try, it was, you know, we, we were mucking around with the ball. We passed it out a few passes and it, then sort of come back and got it. And I, and I just thought, bloody, I'll just settle it down and, and just run up. I thought, just, like, just run hard and get as far as you can and, and settle things down because we started to, you know, I, I didn't want to, you know, push in a pass and all of a sudden we turned it over because, you know, so I just virtually stuck my head down and run as hard as I could and, um, anyway, end up getting over the line, so. Yeah, right over Glenn Lazarus on your leg, I, I love that. Well, you know, he, um, <laughs> he ran over a lot in his career, what a great player he was, Glenn Lazarus, and, uh, I think I was lucky enough to eat him on his, um, sternum, I think he, I think he, uh, I don't think his sternum was in too good a shape. And, uh, <laughs> I think he was carrying a few bumps and bruises around his sternum. I think that my bullfed hit him right in the middle of the sternum, I think, so I think that's what helped. Beautiful. Just um, going off track to where I was going to go, yeah. but which players during your career did you have the most respect for? Oh. Just whether at Penrith or opposition, um, did you, yeah. Yeah it's, um, yeah, it's something I really don't sort of, go over too much because I think, uh, you know, you, I've played with some blokes, you know, in 1980 and I, and I and finished playing in 91 and the, the differences between 1980 to 91 were, were massive as in training and, and the differences from 91, you know, to 2000 are massive and let alone to the day, you know, so it's very hard to com- compare um, players that you, you know, you that you played with, you know, so, um, you know, like I, I've played with uh, Wally Lewis, uh, the Australian backline at the time, I'll explain this the best, but the Australian backline was, I think it was Gary Jack, uh, Dale Shearer, Mick O'Connor, uh, June Miles, Brett Kenny, Wally Lewis, Peter Sterling. The other side that went away on the kangaroo tour with us is like you go away and you virtually take two sides away. The other side was was Gary Belcher. Les Kiss was over there, but Les got injured. But Les was on there. I think they had Brandy playing on an, another wing, but he did play some halfback as well. Then they had Chris Mortimer and Mel Meninga, uh, Terry Lamb, Des Hasler, and then a heap of good forwards as well. Like, you know, there was, I can say the same about the forwards, exactly the same. Same, similar thing, you know. Um, so on that kangaroo tour, if... The second side played the first side. I'm yeah. not quite sure who'd win. Really, here? Yeah, well, there wouldn't be much. <laughs> wouldn't be much in it. You know, probably just probably a, 
maybe <laughs> the first team might have squeezed in. But you, if you played 10 games, you wouldn't win 10. You know, it might have been 6-4 or something, you know what I mean? But was that was 86-12? Well, yeah, that was 86 12. I'm just comparing, yeah. you know, like someone like Mal Meninga on that tour couldn't make the starting line up to game four. Like, you can't believe that, can you? One of the immortals of the game. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't make the original side that went to New Zealand and had to play. So... <laughs> so how do you compare that? You know, how can you say this bloke's better than that bloke and all that sort of stuff? You know, then you compare blokes to who's the toughest and all that. Well, you know, you know, is I mean, I you know, like Chris Morton was one of the hardest blokes I've ever played with, and Terry Lamb was, and and and, and you get blokes of, of that size, and you go across, and you you know, you compare them with say Big Mal and and Blocker. Roach and, and, and Les Davis and, and, the, and the, you know, the list goes on. So it's, it's very hard to compare them. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know the answer to, to comparing them, to be honest. I think you just gave it. It's, it's yeah. a great answer. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, you, and you had a long coaching career too. I actually didn't realize you, you coached 255 games all up, yeah. including a stint with, um, with England. Yeah. Um, and 170, 187 games in charge of Penrith. Um, yeah. was coaching something that, that you always considered, particularly at the back end of, of your playing career? Yeah. Um, yeah, I always, always wanted to be a coach. Always, okay. you know, thought I could do that. Um, if I had any time again, I would, I'd do it. Uh, a lot different. I I went to Hull in England and coached for a couple of seasons, uh, and they wanted me to stay over there and coach for a couple more. But I had a um, I had a business back here in Penrith that I had other people involved with, so yeah, I, I sort of had to come back. Um, so I come back and then straight away I was offered uh, the Penrith job. And it was, if I look back now, it was, was, was too early, you know. I, I wasn't, I don't think I was, I hadn't done long enough apprenticeship and I was coaching some of the players that I played with, so it was not pretty good. Cool. Yeah, I don't think that's a great idea. Okay. You know, I, I think, you know, you, um, I don't think you, not as head coach anyway, I don't think being a head coach, um, it's good if, if you if three quarters of your side that you played with, you know. Oh, you're, was, yeah, because you're yeah, voice, yeah, beautiful I'm, teammate. I'm the bloke was a player, and you come and and yeah. you and you haven't had enough experience. Your man management is not probably good. You probably you're either too hard or too soft on the players because you, you know you just got to get everything right. I just yeah. I think it was probably um, you know I would have like I end up spending some time with. Tim Shearns later on. I wish I had it, could have reversed that role and had two or three years with Tim, then gone into coaching, you know. After the 03 Grand Final, I'll, I'll never forget John Lang at the press conference, yeah. you know, that, that done all the on-field celebrating, yeah. all yeah. the champagne yeah. and beer and everything. And he got to the press conference mm. and the first question was, was thrown at John Lang, mm. you know, how do you feel, blah, 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 awesome. Mm. He said, just before we get carried away, mm. Um, I want to acknowledge uh, one man. Uh, none of us, none of this would have happened if it wasn't for for yourself. Mm. And he said, um, because Royce built this team um, that you see um, out on the field, um, 
how do you feel like that? Oh, like, because you did, you, you, you yeah, know that before departing, didn't you? That was, um, yeah, that was very kind of the John. I'll never forget that. A lot of, lot of people, um, you know, it, it's very hard when you're in such a good mood and you've just achieved something. Hmm. You mostly you talk about the current people and everything you got, you know. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was pretty. Um, uh, it was a pretty tough time because Super League actually come in during all that period. So um, hmm. you know, I. Right or wrong, supported Super League because, and people forget this, but I don't. But I had a very, very strong feeling, and I was very sure that Parramatta and Penrith were going to nearly come together and form one. Now, I think a lot of, a lot of people forget that, but that's what I could see happening. And I thought, well, I don't want my club. Um, with this big talent pool out here joining any other club and Western Suburbs was another club that there was talk of too happening at the time would come independent I thought this club should be so I virtually chased um, a few people at Super League and said look would you come out and talk to um, uh, Roger Cowan who was their boss at the time and they come out and they mentioned um, what they could do and the amount of money that, that could supply. And Roger decided, and the board decided, they'd go Super League. So I think we went, and I think the salary cap at the time was 1.8, I think. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. I think it was 1.8. Sorry. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure no. of that, but it, somewhere around that figure. Yeah. And, and I'm not quite sure if there's a next figure, but I won't be too far out. That day they come, they said, well, we've got to get here and we need to sign all your players up that we can who will come with us. So they come and signed all the players. And at the time, say Player X might have been on 20000 And Super League asked me, they'd say, how much is this bloke worth? And I knew we were going full time. So there was no other work. So I, so I thought, well, I'm going to look after me boys. <laughs> so I said... I reckon he's worth 80000 So that's four times more than he was on. And they'd come back and they'd say, uh, we just signed uh, Player X. And I'd say to Player X, how much did they give you? And they'd say, two twenty. So the, the salary cap went from 1.8 to the five or six million or something. Overnight, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And at the end of it, I'd lost Brad, Brad Fittler and Matt Singh because they went to the ARL because they were away in the New South Wales side and they probably both would have went there anyway. But they went there. So all of a sudden I've got virtually this... I, my side's not as good as what it was because <laughs> I've, I've lost two of the best players in the world at the time, was particularly Brad, like probably the best player in the world at the time. So, so we'd lost them... And um, and all of a sudden we had to reduce back from 5.8 million to 4.8 million sale. I just don't know the proper figures again, but that's what we had to do over the next few years. Yeah, there was a tough period. So I'm I'm dealing with these, you know, a side that's not as strong as what it was, but getting 
uh, four times, and I had to reduce back the 4.8 million, so I had to let other players go over the next couple of years. Yeah. So it was a very hard time to try to um, strengthen your side. So when, by doing that, I was going out trying to buy a player here and a buy a player there that probably I was hoping I could bring to the club and make a better player. Yeah. But it's hard to do that because they're already with good coaches, you know, work with good coaches. So was, but that's what I was trying to do. And I did that for a couple of years and I thought, this is where, again, experience comes into it, as I said earlier on. So forget all that. Just work, work with your local kids, get them into the system. And I had good coaches under me and Johnny Cartwright and, and Peter Kelly and Colin Vandervoort all been through the club. Yeah. And Jimmy Jones run the junior league. You know, he knew all the good kids around the area. Yeah. So we went that way and then decided just to buy one or two good players, you know, yep. and, and bring them in, you know, two or three. Uh, as we did, so after we sort of got back to that salary cap, then we could went into the marketplace a bit more and all the juniors were coming through. They used to train with the first grade side down to 20s and reserve grade uh, once a week. They'd come up and train with us. And so we all tried to educate the young kids and but it's a slow way to do it, you know. Mm. And, but, and and then when we got down to our salary cap, well, we bought, you know, Luke Pritis to the club and uh, and decided to play Craig Gower more into a halfback role. And we bought uh, Martin Leng to the club and Joe Nalavejo uh, build up after it. And uh, um, we, at around that time, and... Uh, we bought a few good players. Then Johnny came and I think he bought Preston Campbell to the club. But so, so we bought some good players around that time, and that's when I sort of I finished up at the club, and and Johnny came along and did a great job for a couple of years, and and uh, and you know got a got a fantastic job. Probably um, you know, and, and I don't want to take any of that credit for what Johnny done. I think he was very kind, even mentioning me at the time, but. You know, I didn't expect that, but it was very kind of him. But mm. it was a tough period. We had to go through there, and um, um, and uh, I think probably what he what he met Johnny was I was smart enough to sign his son up and, and bring him along, and <laughs> and uh, you know, and we we signed Scotty Sattler a couple of years before that was was a handy boy from the from the um, Gold Coast too. So, but it was a tough little period we went through there. So, yeah. Uh, you know, it was it was good to to see the little bit of work I did with you know the juniors and just buying a couple of players at the back end that that the Johnny Johnny then had the team that he pulled together and got a good um, you know good uh, you know team spirit and and uh, pull that side together and a good game plans and whatever and uh, mm. come up with a result that um, was great for Penrith. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, and just a few more questions. Uh, and, and apologies for jumping around. No, well, that's all good. Mate. Yeah. Um, one thing I've always wondered was, and this sound might sound trivial, but the change from brown and white to the black and white and red, green, and yellow licorice all sorts. Mm. Did that? Did that affect? Did that change things as far as the the, the feel of the club? Like, or was um. it? For someone like yourself, because you played through through that yeah. era, did you feel like a different club 
when all that image sort of stuff changed? Um, no, personally, I don't think it makes no difference whatsoever <laughs> what colour jumper you wear. Fair enough. But, but I think what it did do, it, it, um, I'm, I'm talking about playing-wise, I don't think it doesn't matter what sort of colour jumper you wear, but mm. what it did do was put Penrith, I think, from the... Um, I think it was the jumper was one of the worst selling jumpers in the competition. Okay. And I think it went straight through the, the top, you know. Yeah. So obviously our brand went out to a to to a bit bigger audience. Our um, you know um, so all of a sudden sponsorship becomes you know yeah. people want to be a part. You were one of the biggest selling jumpers. Well, sponsors want to be a part of it, and so the commercial area I think was was great for it. And um, yeah. um, so I think it was really good in that area. And but as far as obviously playing it, it doesn't make no difference whatsoever. It was. Um, I'm a bit big for tradition and like to stick to whatever you, you do, but <laughs> but that was, um, you know, at the time I thought, oh, probably shouldn't be changing our colours, but as soon as you, you know, you could see the the, um, the sales go, you've seen so many more jumpers, you've seen sponsors wanting to be a part of it, and so it was it was really good for um, for the commercial area, yeah. Yeah, no, that's great, and um, so the, the stadium has always been... Um, the centre of the district out here. Mm. Uh, do, do, do you think it still is? Like, it, is Penrith even more of a footy town? Yeah, yeah, I think it's, it, it's good. And it's so good that um, it's the club go back and just call it by its own name again now instead of, you know, being called the sponsor's name and changes all everything. I think it's yeah. a bit of tradition there. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing... Uh, um, the government throw a little bit more money towards it. Uh, you know, it's, it's council owned, and um, mm. and uh, you know, I think the people of Penrith probably deserve a bit of an upgrade. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying we need to go to the end of the world, but I think a bit of an upgrade after forty whatever it is years it is, mate, yeah. wouldn't hurt. You know, uh, it's certainly. Um, it's one of the best playing surfaces in the in the league, if, if not the best. I think the surface over there is outstanding. Uh, the drainage and and how well it's prepared by our staff staff here. So it's it's a fantastic surface. But uh, you know some of the facilities, um, I think, just probably I think you know we're a big place now. <laughs> you know, and I think you could, that you know could be probably used for a couple of more other sort of sporting events or things and yeah you know, I think it's probably time we we upgrade it a little bit yeah it's, it's probably a different place to what you first knew it as back yeah early 80s yeah, well, yeah. there was no there was no recent grandstand <laughs> no, no. Uh, and the grandstand that was there now has been extended so it wasn't that big neither when we were there and, yeah and it was. I think they swapped. They swapped. There was an old, an old spa bath in there, and it was. I don't think you'd want to jump into it. I don't think it was health and safety restrictions were that good. There's. So, yeah, there wasn't much there. There was. Um, yeah, we had no gym facilities or we had nothing. We had no gym facilities. It was just. Uh, um, it's just like being back at Cowra, to be honest. Just <laughs> had a few more footballs, I think. Right at home. Yeah. And then just finally, um, 
did you end up having to be with everybody over the last 25 years, however long it's been? Yeah, I've gone close. Um, <laughs> Haven't had that one. Well, there was, a, there was a, the last year was um, was a tough, tough year for me because a lot of people don't remember I, I done my ankle real early in the year and was, and played the following week with it because we had a lot of injuries. Ah. And I damaged it a, a fair bit more the next week and I was out for weeks. Then I come back, played a game and done it again and I was out for weeks again. And then I come back and the side was going well and uh, I'd had about three or four games of reserve grades. The first grade side was going really well. Yeah. Uh, so it was, um, I don't know the official number, I think I only played about 11 games, I think, in, in first grade that year. Um, but because I was out for long, long periods and I remember coming back and um, and there was only, I think, one game to go. It was the last game. I think it was the last, the second last game, but certainly a last game at Penrith Park for that year. So it was my last game at Penrith Park ever. All right. Because um, I, I, was, I was finishing that year. And um, and the week before I said, because I used to get up and train at silly times to just keep myself, because I'd get up every morning before I'd go to work and maybe go for a run or go and do things that were uncomfortable, you know. Okay. I thought that was good for you, you know, get up and go for a run when you didn't want to go for a run <laughs> or go and hop on a roll when you didn't want to do that yeah. and do some things that made you feel uncomfortable, you know. And so... My wife woke me, she said, time for you to go for your run about six o'clock or something or for your thing. Yeah. So I'm not going. I said, I've only got one game to play at Penrith Park this weekend. That's my last game. It's all over. You thought it was going to be all over? Well, it was, yeah. So, yeah. well, you know, as I said, the first grade side was going really well. And uh, they were flying along and I'd missed long, long periods with injury and I'd come back and I'd play three or four reserve grade games. And... Um, Gus came into the room and said, uh, Righto, it's our last game at Penrith Park this week, and this is the side, and uh, uh, Royce will be leading us out, um, you know, not as captain, but leading us out as because it's his last game at uh, over here anyway. When, well, actually, I'll go back to a little bit before that, but I said to my wife, I'm not getting up this morning, she gave me a, she gave me a gobful, she said, get up, you lazy bugger, and get going, and so I got up and went for the run and then come back to training that night and that's when, as I said, Gus said, you're back in the side. And so I played that last game here at um, um, Penrith Park and we beat Balmain pretty easy and um, and I couldn't believe the amount of people turned up because it was last, my last game. It was just chockers and, uh, mm. and even... Couple of bus loads come from Newcastle. I remember people saying there's two bus loads come down from Newcastle. I couldn't believe it just down. Wow. So it was a really good experience. The last game, you know, I had to kick a goal from in front and all that sort of stuff, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. And um, and so we we won that game, and uh, and um, uh, and Gus said before he, he told me he told the whole side that I was playing that last game. He said. He'd be playing every other game right through to the grand final as well. So that was um, a good confidence booster for me mm. to know that was, was happening. And so, so yeah, so it was a pretty 
tough old year. So as far as injured, come back, injured, come back, injured, with a real bad ankle, you know, then even when I come back at the end, was struggling to get going. Yeah. You know, I needed about three or four games to sort of get over the injury and sort of get fit. And, and, and you know, with a game to go on, the club going so well, I thought, well, that was the end of me. You know, I'll probably sit on the bench for the games or something, but, you know, I won't be playing. But anyway, the last game, uh, as I said, Gus said, and then, then so that went through then to the, the grand final. So, but I think all up, I think I only played about 11 games. Wow. Yeah. So it was just a massive sense of relief when you... Yeah, so yeah. so to get there and end up playing in a grand final, when I, a few weeks ago, I probably thought of, I, I might be there as a token, but I was, I, I ended up there. And, um, so to end, to end up then going through and winning the grand final and then coming up with that silly statement that I'll have a drink with everyone. Yeah. So... Because of all the hard ways I had to get there to do it, so I've made sure I've got 99.9% of them, but you get an odd bloke turn up and says I haven't had one, but I think he's fibbing. <laughs> <laughs>